Okay, we're going to begin this story. It's called Medical Examination in Leicester. It's taken from Iterum Life, Book 4, Volume 2, Northcote, 1993 to 2008. This story from August 2008. This all came about because of my snapping my right leg Achilles tendon earlier in that year on a narrowboat holiday. Not to be recommended. The Achilles tendon repair takes weeks and weeks. That is after the stay in hospital to have it surgically repaired. The frustration and inconvenience were far worse than the injury itself, which I must say at no time caused me any pain. Probably because the loud bang that occurred at the time snapped all the nerves as well. The background to this story is thus. At about the end of 1984, I woke one night with an enormous pain in the centre of my chest. A huge red-hot orange was engulfing me in pain. The pain so intense, it prevented any movement except the dire wish to curl up into a ball and fade away. Yes, it began with running down my left arm and all developed so, so quickly. It went on for more than an hour, during which time I was at one moment perspiring hot and the next perspiring but freezing cold. I would not let Ruth call any help, as my one thought was for all the animals outside that needed constant care and attention. Apart from the horses, there were literally thousands of rabbits in my breeding sheds. They were my only income at that time and terribly fragile in every way constantly in need of my care several times a day. There was no one else that I could think of who even had anything like the knowledge it took to look after them, never mind the time. Many years have now passed and I am still here to tell the tale, but the DVLA, the UK Vehicle and Driver Licensing Department, demand that I take a rigorous stress test every three years to ensure my my health is up to driving heavy goods vehicles. This story, by the way, 2008. (laughs) I'm getting older now. I don't drive heavy goods vehicles anymore. This normally involves my visiting the local general hospital where the DVLA actually pay for the senior consultant to oversee their treadmill test programme. The results then go back to their own specialists who decide when and if I am still fit. I might add that at no time have any of these tests been the slightest problem for me to undertake. I'm sure the outdoor life and continued hard work have enabled my body to recover from that memorable night in 1984. 2008. Now back to 2008. And first of all, the DVLA decided in March that I should take a complete medical examination. I have to pay for this to be completed by my local doctor. Despite my telephoning and explaining that I'd just been released from hospital and my right leg was encased in plaster, they still insisted the examination took place straight away. The expression on the face of my doctor was a picture behold. This this seems a bit stupid, he said, looking at my leg. There's no way you could drive a lorry with that leg. 
I explained that the powers that be insisted that this was the stipulated time for the examination and they would not waver. All proceeded normally for the next three months, my hobbling about on sticks, not being allowed to stand on my right leg, and just waiting to have the plaster removed and get on with the next stage of the cure. Nazi system. Another letter came from the DVLA, the Driver and Vehicle Licensing Authority, in June. They decided it was time for my three-yearly stress test and had made an appointment for me at the local hospital as usual. The plaster was off. The latter part of the treatment had been one of the most frustrating. My foot and ankle had been encased in an inflatable boot with insoles that could be regulated to begin returning my right foot to its normal position flat on the floor. Much to my chagrin, I even had to wear this boot at night and only remove it for washing of foot and leg. I telephoned the DVLA and unfortunately encountered a Nazi-trained lady who categorically informed me that if I did not take the test at the stipulated time, they would confiscate my driving licence. I was beginning to see red. Despite her threats and being a conscientious type, not wishing to take up valuable appointments that could not be kept, I telephoned the local hospital, explained my predicament and cancelled the appointment. I then telephoned the office of the consultant at Lincoln County Hospital who had operated on my leg. He was aghast that authorities should be so lacking in simple comprehension and agreed that DVLA could contact him to confirm my situation. I wrote a long letter with the history of my current problem and gave fullest details, including contact with the consultant surgeon at Lincoln. Sense at last. At this point, I should add that the DVLA stress test involves 15 minutes on a moving electronic treadmill. The machine is controlled by a computer disk devised and supplied by the DVLA doctors. It begins at a steady walk and graduates through three stages until the final three minutes are fast running uphill. The hospital consultant stands beside the machine and monitors blood pressure, mine, heart rate and several other things that I do not totally understand. Although what seems like dozens of electronic leads attached to various parts of my anatomy. The Lincoln consultant had explained that any idea of my taking that test on this machine before the beginning of 2009 would have destroyed all the good work done at Lincoln and more than likely destroy my tendon for good and all. After a short interlude, I telephoned the DVLA again at Swansea. This time I was lucky and spoke to a young lady who was so different from the first one I had encountered. She was kind and considerate. Without any problem, she found my letter and agreed that I had done the correct thing in cancelling the hospital appointment. If you cannot undertake the stress test, I'm sure there is something else we can get you to do, she said, almost with a hidden smirk in her voice. The something else. The something else arrived by post while I was in France with Ruth and Sister Jane, who had driven for us 
my being prohibited from driving until July. I was to report to Leicester Royal Infirmary for a coronary echocardiogram. The appointment date was the end of August. The actual description of the procedure that had been sent with the DVLA appointment made me sit down and think about whether I really needed this or not. Once back in the UK, I consulted my local doctor. The local surgery at Spilsby had five partners. I've tried almost all of them, and my current doctor is brusque and always very much to the point. I like his straightforward, no-nonsense approach, but many do not. He began, After everything else you've encountered this year, you'll walk this examination. Anyway, he concluded, it's a very expensive form of heart checkup, and you're getting it without waiting, and for free. End of argument. I telephoned the office of the secretary to the heart consultant at Leicester to confirm my appointment and explain that I would be travelling on my motorbike. <laughs> Quite spontaneously, she burst out, You can't do that! Patients are normally driven home after this procedure. Well, I explained it has to be a motorbike, as that's all I have. My Ford Escort... MX-5 convertible had already been transferred to France on our large trailer to live there permanently. See the story, Digby locked us out. A sigh of resignation from Leicester ended that telephone conversation. Another problem with DVLA. The next ob obstacle came with a further letter from DVLA at Swansea saying that I must, of course, not take my normal medication for 24 hours before this procedure. I wrote back and told them that if I was not taking my normal medication, then I would not be fit to travel to Leicester, or indeed travel anywhere. I tried to explain that the medication was there to keep my heart going and performing as normal as possible. To take that away would cause me all sorts of problems and would they be responsible for what could happen to me as a result of their actions? We compromised with my not taking the morning 8am tablet. Leicester Royal Infirmary Leicester is a huge city to which Google had provided me with directions and these were stuck on my fuel tank between my legs but it had been raining for the last half hour of the journey and route details had become impossible to read. After a couple of false turns, I eventually arrived in a street with signs pointing to the hospital car park. Huge line of cars was ahead of me, all seemingly quite motionless, and the appointment time was fast approaching. I'd yet to find the correct department in what looked like a small city of its own. Thank goodness for the motorbike. I sailed past the line of cars and found they were all waiting their turn to pass a parking barrier and take a ticket. Much to the annoyance of the driver of a BMW saloon somewhat newer and far, far more expensive than my 1980 model eBay purchased R65, I cut in front grabbed the ticket spewing out of the machine and jammed it down under the map on my fuel tank. It was still raining quite hard. 
A space under a group of trees in the corner of the parking area looked a likely spot and within a few moments I was transformed into a normal looking, if a trifle, damp human. Just like all the dozens around me. In the meantime, the parking ticket had dropped off into the rain and drizzled somewhere, but I could sort that out later. The coronary department was up several flights of stairs, <laughs> round numerous corners and down countless corridors, no doubt designed to test the stamina of their prospective patients. But I did arrive on time. The consultation. The consultant was a very polite, young, cheery Chinese gentleman, dressed in a uniform white coat. He was treated with much reverence by the ward staff and promptly scooped me into his care from where I had been waiting with motorcycle leather jacket dripping rain onto the floor. We went into a small room packed with machinery and he began to explain what was going to happen to me. Ah, first, though, he began, I believe you're going to be short of your normal medication for your journey home. Someone from Swansea had been keeping him well informed. Also, he continued, the motorbike <laughs> will not be a problem, providing you rest after you after we are finished and get yourself a cup of tea and a sandwich. He went over to a cabinet withdrew a syringe and a bottle of liquid. Filling the syringe, he said quite casually, this is the same stuff that you normally have in tablet form. Just as they do in the films, he pointed the syringe into the air and squirted out a tiny amount of flick of liquid. This should be enough for you for the rest of the day. You can have it when, when I've finished with you, he said. The procedure involved injecting me with a pre-programmed cocktail of liquid based on my weight. This, he said, was to make my heart race as if I was mountain climbing. The doctor explained that the trick was judging just the right amount to get the heart to peak without having to add just a little more during the procedure. If I have to do that, he explained, well, well we won't go into that. It just gets more complicated. While the heart is on its trip, the doctor can examine it with an ultrasound device, similar to that used to inspect unborn babies and count the number of lambs in pregnant sheep. For humans, this involves lots more of those electronic leads stuck here and there. A quick shave of the hair and a bit of glue and another one installed. I found the gurgling and bumping noises given off by the machine somewhat disconcerting until the doctor explained that the noises were my own heart functioning. Is it all over then? I asked after a few minutes. He looked up at me from his position sprawled over my stomach. I haven't administered the drug yet, he said with a twisted smile. So far, I've just been checking that all is working satisfactorily. Here we go, and promptly pushed a syringe of liquid into the little plastic valve he had inserted into my arm. The episode was not anything like one you would imagine. My heart gradually raced away, and it did, it did indeed reach a quite high level of activity, which the doctor declared was most satisfactorily. Spot on, he declared. The calculation was just right, and we will not have to add any more of the stimulant. 
I was perspiring a little, but nothing like I would have been on a treadmill. And then it was all over, and my heart began to slowly regain a more normal speed. The whole thing only took half an hour or so, and evidently my heart was in pretty good working order for its age. To find that out was well worth the journey. Oh, we just turn in the page. On these occasions where DVLA are paying the bill, I never formally find out anything of the results. For my little Chinese friend in Leicester, he did even indulge. He he did indulge what he had was gratifying. He gave me my shot of medication and explained that I had to rest for at least 45 minutes to allow the chemicals to disperse and my heart to behave normally. Then I could go home. I spent this time in the hospital friend's tea bar with a large cuppa and a ham sandwich. The rain had stopped by the time I came to leave. All I had to do was depart without paying anything. Conveniently, my ticket was now well dissolved down some public sewer. Here the motorbike comes to the fore once again. I came out of a side turning in the car park, close to the pay barrier, snuck in beside a small Japanese town car and went under the barrier at the same time. I don't even think the driver noticed me at all. Okay, this is a new ending to all our stories. There's no shop anymore. Since Covid, we decided to allow free access to all our complete books, videos and audio stories. You can access them all via our new website. The address is www.itsarumlife.com The spelling I-T-S- a-R-U-M-L-I-F-E dot com. No spaces. It's a rumlife dot com. There we are. Have a, have a good look. And thank you for listening.